Welcome to Monday morning on the Sandsbury Show on Rock 106.9, online at WRQK.com. And we have Coheed and Cambria tickets for you this morning, 9.30. We'll pass those out for you. I believe that show a little later uh, this month, maybe early next month. I'll have to double-check that one. But Coheed and Cambria tickets for you. We do have those, 9.30. We will run down Fantone's big, uh, you know, uh, foray into uh, the, the, uh, the wrestling world. Which was over the weekend at Busbin, and it was awesome. It that that event did not disappoint. Um, but before before we do that, all right. So my mom's in town. This has been so slept on. This has been something that has just been brushed to the side. Yeah. That I just, I just, I, I, I can't even believe it's here. Like I can't even believe it's happened. I uh, me, yeah, me either. And so <laughs> Saturday, I had lunch with her. It was the first time I saw her. It was Saturday. And uh, she was like, let's, she wanted to meet at the Red Lobster. Okay. Hate my mom. <laughs> now, see, the, the, now, see, there's a reason for everything. My dad did not care for seafood. All right. Didn't much like the smell of it. Didn't like, didn't want to eat it. Didn't like being around it. So my mom now, every chance she's got, she gets it. But my brother, who, and I will point out. Sue, he's been dead fifteen years. You've had the shrimp. Like it's, a, we want steak. Goddamn. Yeah, I would have to assume that as as you know, as terrible as it is to lose your partner, to lose your you know your spouse, um, there's got to be a little bit of all that stuff they hated. That's now open to me. Yeah, no, you can that, do it again. I, I totally never even thought yeah, of that. But would have never thought of it. A little bit freeing, almost there of like, oh my gosh, I can watch whatever I want. I can go wherever I want and he, not feel guilty. He has no more opinion in this. Because okay. the thing about okay. my dad is. He would suffer through it. He would go with us because my brother, myself, my mom, we all love the seafood. My dad didn't like it. Okay. He would go with us, okay. that poor son of a bitch. No wonder he's dead. You know, Seriously, just sucking down deep fried fish. Just like, doing stuff he didn't want to do. Garlic just, butter shrimp. Constantly. So I was like, okay, yeah, fine. Let's do that, right? So she comes with one of her friends, and I figured that was going to happen. And then another one of them <laughs> meets us there. Jeez. So now it's me and like three like seventy year old ladies. Now, do you have previous relationships with these women? I you know, know everybody. Them? Okay, you know all. Of them. I okay. know everybody. As all a matter right. of fact, one of them had worked for my father back in the day. Okay. So I had uh, so I so I know everybody really well, like all the way back to like when I'm like a young child. But I haven't seen anybody in forever, so like you know whatever. And I'm just terrified every moment one of them opens their mouth because, well, none of them are on Twitter. You know what I mean? Like, they oh, don't know. Okay. You know okay. what I mean? Like, my mom's not woke. <laughs> <laughs> like, not at all. You know what I mean? Like, not at all. So I'm just terrified of these three seven-year-old women are just going to say this <laughs> non-2018 phrased thing. And, like, this young, like, 24-year-old server, nice girl, right. is just going to be, like, mortified. Why my mom's just trying to say something simple and it ends up like she's got like the Middle East involved or like God only knows. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just, I'm terrified. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm, I'm like losing my mind. 
I'm sure you were, dude. I mean, honestly, um, you know, you, you would like to think that people, they probably reach a certain age, and it's like, that's as far as I'm going. You know what I mean? You probably get to be a certain point in your life where it's like, all right, I don't know if it's 55, it's 60, it's, you know, when you retire, but there's a point when you're like, I'm not adopting to new norms. I'm not trying to yeah. pick up on new on new standards. I'm not trying to, you know, learn new technology or do anything like that. You become the Amish where you just say, this is my line in the sand, and I'm not going any further than I think my mom would tell you, I was a progressive accepting liberal in 1990, but I don't what the hell, right, this right, world's right, weird. 30 years later, I mean, honestly, it's things things do get a little this, different this there. This world's weird, I, I don't recognize and, it. And, and they, don't re- they don't recognize it, and they don't know what they're saying, and they're all loud, too. They're all 75 years old, so I'm sure they're Dude, sitting screaming. there, I'm sure just sitting there loud screaming. as hell, not Dude, even realizing it. We've been begging my mom to get a hearing aid since like 1989, like Christmas of 89, like I'm not kidding, like for years, <laughs> and she, like, she was so vain and wouldn't do it, and I was like, miracle ear, they're like little, and they'll right. go right in. But so, like, she's just screaming, right? Because she can only hear out of the one side. She's just like, you know, saying all this stuff. So I was like, well, how is the flight? Right? And my mom, <laughs> you are who you come from, I guess, right? So my mom's got a, got, got, got a little flair for the dramatic, right? So my mom's just like, oh, Daniel. And right, she's now got my hand in her, like, hand at this point, like, on the table. And she says to me, she goes, first of all, Promise me, Daniel, that you don't tell this story on the radio. <laughs> it's like, okay, mom, I won't. Promise. No, pr- Daniel, I mean, promise your mother right now that you are not going to tell this story. All right, fine, Ma, I won't. So here I am leading the show off with it, right? <laughs> Son of the year. <laughs> so my mom's flying out of Las Vegas to here. That's where she lives, right? And she's like, Daniel, this guy gets on the plane in full like robe. And I was like, what? <laughs> so she's now describing a man in a burqa. Okay. Essentially. She's like, but Dan, not the same kind of like, she's like, I see that all the time in Vegas. She was like, this was different material it was thick. Like <laughs> <laughs> she like called my brother from the airport. She's terrified to get on the plane. Right. And my brother's like, it's a woman, you idiot. <laughs> It's one of those things, though. She probably heard a million times, see something, say something. If you feel concerned, and I'm sure in her mind, she was like, oh, my God, this is all going south right now. <laughs> wow. So my mom is like now on the phone with my brother at the airport, right? Okay. And my bro- my brother, like, what a, what a son he is, too, right? Ah, it's a woman. Get on the plane. <laughs> Just get out of the plane. Who cares? Just happy to have her out of the house, right? And she swears it's a man in like this thick, like burka type outfit, but it's like thick, like carpet, right? right? So now she tells me she gets on the plane and she actually says to me, she goes, and I'm aware of where he's at. <laughs> so then she says to me, she goes, now I'm looking around the plane for, co- for cohorts, right? She actually uses the word cohorts. She, she thinks this guy's not like rolling with a pack of like other guys and like, I don't know, you know, carpet burkas or whatever. And I was like, Mom, it took you 20 minutes to walk into Red Lobster. What are you you doing if you find the cohort? Right, exactly. Like, what was her grand scheme there? And, like, it's like, it's like, what are you doing? Right. You don't think that there's other people on this plane right now? Like, there were security guards or things that were checking it in? What are you, what, what case are you cracking that they're not? Oh, well, she gave me that too. She's like, Daniel, just so you know, other people on the plane were afraid too. And I was like, well, yeah. Yeah, I would have been freaked out about that, too. I was like, I don't even know what the hell you're doing here. I wouldn't wouldn't have gotten on that plane either, but that was the matter with you, right? So that's not even, like, the best part of the story. I almost walk out of lunch at this point. 
Okay. Because the next part of the story is like graphic. So then she's like in her seat, and I guess she's got like the window seat, you know. And I was like, well, how was that? Did you? Well, you know, I just would prefer, <laughs> you know, one of those. Once you start, you know, asking somebody how, you know, it's like, don't actually tell me how your day's going. Just say fine and move on in the hallway. But she's like now into the whole thing. So now a guy and a woman sit next to her. And she's like, Dan, the woman was huge. She was just like massive. And I was like, I thought she meant fat. And I was like, Mom, I was like, look at us both. I was like, this is crazy. And she's like, no, no, no. She's like really, really tall. It's like, okay. So then they sit down and she was like, and Daniel, she was like, and not long after the flight is like in the air. She's like, I see her. And she was like, and she's doing this. And I look over what at the table. Doing? And now my 72-year-old mother at the lobster, bellied up at the table, scampy everywhere, now giving me the hand emotion. Oh, like, this is what's... Dude, let me just tell you. What just happened? Dude, let me just tell you. One of my, dude, one of my least favorite activities I've ever had to do in life is to take my hand, <laughs> cut my mother's hand, to, st- to stop the hand emotion. I, dude, I've never been more sick talking about in my entire life. I honestly, dude, I wanted to wash everything with bleach. My eyes, my, dude, my mouth, everything. I was like, I don't care. I just, oh, oh. Dude, it was terrible. It sounds awful, dude. So she was like, "Well, I didn't know what to do," and I was like, "I was, I was like, well, just like, stop talking, right?" I was like, because I was like afraid where it went, and she was like, "So I just turned and like stared out the window until." It was- <laughs> now, unfortunately, my mom's not woke because if she was, she would realize she's been sexually assaulted on an airplane Jesus, and then she's dude. got a lawsuit on her hands. Jesus, dude. Yeah, welcome to Suzanne Sansbury being in town for about 10 minutes. That's 10 minutes with that's 10 minutes with Suze right there. And no wonder my dad's been in the ground 15 years. I bet if we dig him up there's still a grin. <laughs> I shouldn't say that while she's here. That's that's not. That's that's not very nice at all. Fantone did wrestle. He did uh he did he did do the wrestling. That was uh that was uh that was Friday night at Buzzman and it was awesome. We'll get a recap. That's uh next on Rock 1069. The Stansberry show. I have got to get in on this. Rock 10069. Welcome back to the Stansberry show. We're on Rock 1069, 9:30. We'll pass out those Coheed and Cambria tickets. So over the weekend, Friday night it was. Buzzman was the location and it was awesome. Fantona teamed up with OCW, Ohio Championship Wrestling, and you were in your, I I don't, shall I call it, was it the first ever wrestling match? Is oh, this yeah. first and last? This Is was it, debut. This was the first so, one. So debut. So okay. so so interesting there. So okay. so are we, will, will there be more matches? Well, let's, let's, you know, let's not, let's not put the, the screws to the kid yet. I mean, you know, I, uh, I, I, I have not really decided yet. And truth be told, there's a part of me that says no, because Friday night was just so awesome. In my mind, there's a little bit of me that's like, dude, that was it. That was the high note. That was like, that was that was that was is 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 as big as you you were gonna get. So like, why would I why would I try to do it again? Um, but it was awesome, dude. It was amazing. And thank you for being there, man. I really I really appreciate. I it. not only was I there, uh, as it was pointed out by the uh, by by the show's audience. 
Dude, your boy bootlegged the pay per view. Like I was, <laughs> that's what that's what one of the comments was. A female listener was like, "Dude, oh my god, he's bootlegging the pay per view," and I was like, "Oh my god!" Just camcorder in the movie theater, Jerry Seinfeld style. Um, actually, your boy, uh, your enemy, the arch nemesis, Juice Jennings, looks right at me. He goes, "You better be paying for this." <laughs> and I actually, you can hear me say in the video, "I didn't pay anybody for this. I didn't pay to get in here. I just walked right in here. I didn't. No, no, no. I didn't do any of that." No, 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 I just, no, but I taped, dude, the entire match was taped. We, uh, I Facebook lived it at, at the show's Facebook account, facebook.com slash Stansbury Show, obviously there. And then afterwards, actually, we did like a little, like, right out of the, uh, right out of the ring, a little, like, post-match interview with you there. People seem to love that one because you were saying the chops to the chest is what hurt the most. Stansbury was, was uh, mean, playing Mean Gene Okerlund, right? Yeah. There. <laughs> it was Mean Gene Stansbury. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, there it's was... A few rolling rocks in at that point. There was... Oh, dude, you could tell the entire crowd was a few rolling rocks in at oh, that yeah. point. And honestly, that was one of the things I think at least for me, that made it so cool was that it was a bar. It was a little bit more of an adult show than a regular OCW show. All right, I got to give you a little credit here. Okay, I'll take okay. it. I ha- no, I have to. Legitimately, I really do. Okay. So my buddy Dustin and I walked up from my apartment. He and I went together. And you were pacing in front of Buzzman like a guard. Like you, like back and forth, <laughs> like you know, like you would shoot him, ding, and he would turn around and go back the other way. Like you were pacing, right? And dude, when we got in Buzzman, we still had a while before the event started, and you could tell you. I have never seen you more nervous in my life. You were terrified. It, it was probably I don't know two o'clock that afternoon. Me and my girlfriend, she was like, "You got to eat something today." She's like, "I know you haven't eaten anything. Like you got to go eat something." And I was like a third into a burrito bowl, and I was like, all right, I'm done. And my girlfriend was like, are you kidding me? Like, you're done? A third into a burrito bowl? So, yeah, all day long, man. There was definitely, like, I was anxious, dude. I was just ready. And so when I saw it happen, and I saw you wrestle, and I saw it at the end of it all, I was like, I got to give it to him for having never done it. And... For how much acting kind of has to go into that and how much, like, you know what I mean? You're kind of, you know what I mean? Getting the, you know, the crowd going while you yourself having to pump other people up and get excited about something that you're terrified of is a, is not an easy thing to do. We, we, we're asked to do that a lot in this job, but it's not an easy thing to do. And, dude, I got to give it to you. Like, it came off way better than I thought it was going to. The, uh, the thing we all kind of talked about prior to the to the match was, you know, you look at professional wrestling now, and so much of it is huge move oriented. But you look at it thirty years ago, and those dudes were landing suplexes as like finishing moves, and it was like, oh my god, yeah. this guy he he hit a clothesline. Yeah. And the reason why it was so successful back then is because it was a heavy emphasis on storytelling on like the sell. It, right yeah it's not so much about what you're doing it's how you're it's how you're drawing people in there and so like that was kind of one of the things i was just focused on was like as long as people are having fun, dude. If I miss, if I miss, if I if I mess up my feet on on the on the on the headlock, or if I mess up, you know where I where I stomp during the the arm drag or whatever. Like that's not that big of a deal. What what's gonna matter? What people are gonna react to is how you play off of it. And dude, I don't know. I think that's a little bit of showmanship in general because I remember my first radio job and and my one boss telling me he's like, I don't care if you mess up. He's like, I care what you do immediately after that. Yeah, that's true. that's where it. 
matters. That that's what's going to make the difference right there. So you know, it was it was it was a crowd. Um, you know, like I said, a couple rolling rocks deep into it, so that helped. Um, the fact that I was in the main event, I think there was so much like time before it. The nerves were kind of gone by the time that it really happened. Like, by the time it was like, yo, dude, we're going right now. It was just kind of like, all right, man, well, here we go. And, uh, you know, it was it was obviously a big Stansberry show crowd. Yes. So that so that helped out a lot. I think yes. people were I think people were hyped to see me. And, uh, it, dude, it was. It was a dream come true. Like, I, I said it that night. Like, somewhere along the line, you know you don't get to be in Guns N' Roses. Somewhere along the line, you know you don't get to play for the Browns. And, like, the fact that I got to go out and, you know, I know it's not the WWE, but the fact that I got to go out there and do it, like, That's cool, it was off the bucket list, man. It was. So what hurts the most? Um... The chops were where it hurt the most. Most everything I took during the match, I knew was going to be coming down the pipeline sooner or later. Okay. Um, I had been trained for that kind of stuff. Um, but the chops, there was a point, you know, I'm standing there and Juice had chopped me a couple times and I didn't know those were coming. But there was a point I was like tied up on the ropes and I did not see this coming at all. But one of his tag team partners, Crosshairs Kelly, just comes over and just lands that bear just paw on my chest, dude. And that was when it was like, oh, son of a, you know, and those big splashes in the corner, too. Did you see those? Yeah. Yeah, those ones hurt, too. Yeah, no, I saw it all. Those I mean, I, dude, I had the camera pointed at you pretty much the entire time. Like I said, the video's online. You can see it. Uh, I, we Facebook lived it. What hurt the most the next morning? Chest, for sure. For sure. I mean, my whole body was just kind of like achy and like, uh, you know, but like the chest from the chops were yeah, definitely. Dude, that looked like, it all looked like it hurt. It like, I, I, like, I kept saying to your girlfriend, I was like, his body. I was like, dude, it is going to hurt so much tomorrow morning. And not as bad as I thought I was going to, but like still more than, more than enough for me to be like, dude, you're too old to think this is like your life. So I don't think you could do this a lot, but are, is this, are you going to do it three? Are you going to be the Brock Lesnar of this? Or are you going to do it three times a year? <laughs> we will, uh, we will see what, what is presented to me in the future. I'm not going to so rule. So you're not closing the road off. I'm not going to rule anything out, but I am going to say, dude, your boy's getting old, man. I'll be 35 in like three months. So like, dude, I, I just don't, I just can't, this can't turn into like, all right, I'm heading down to Lima this weekend, Stansbury, to go wrestle I, in the, you know. I Dude, it, it, here's the thing. If you show up one Monday morning and you just have white tape around the wrists, <laughs> it's over. I, at that point, dude, we're going to ask you to choose between the two things. I can't uh, not have it. But that was a fun event. I want to thank Buzzman, obviously, for giving yeah. us the venue and all that. OCW for... You know, running it through us and not all that. That was awesome. But yeah, Friday night was really, really fun. I had a blast at that. We'll be right back with more Stansberry Show. You guys hang on. The Stansberry Show. That guy knows how to party. Rock 106.9. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to The Stansberry Show. We're on Rock 106.9. Online for you at WRQK.com. I'm excited because uh, Tiger Woods officially now has been invited to play the Bridgestone Invitational here. He needed to uh, he needed to do a little bit better, and he did this last weekend. He was actually leading that tournament as late as yesterday, final round, which was a major, the Open. And I've said, I believe he wins another tournament. I believe he wins multiple tournaments. I'm not sure he wins another major. And I got to tell you, after watching that yesterday and watching him on Saturday, I don't know. I, I, I may have to rethink that. Now, the course was... A, easier than it's been in a while Saturday it was just green lights I mean everybody was just firing and everything so but dude his game looks closer than people thought it was going to be this soon and as this I believe is the last 
Bridgestone Invitational here in Akron. You want Tiger, who I believe has won that tournament eight times, I think it was. I think he won it like something like six years in a row or something like that. Uh, you want him to be there. They want him to be there. And as a guy who has tickets to go, I definitely want him to be there. So I'm uh, I'm very excited about that. I'm glad you already have your tickets locked up. Um, oh, yeah. Because once it's announced that he's on it, Obviously, the entire game changes. They may sell out. I'm going to bet so. They may sell what, out. What do I know? Um, the thing I will say about Tiger Woods, and it was just you know me kind of passively seeing stuff on social media, um, when he reemerges as even like, hey, this could happen, not it is happening, not, oh my God, Tiger's about to win it all. It's just like, oh my God, it looks like he might possibly could maybe do this. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, hey, Tiger, 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 Tiger. You see it all over the place. Yeah, dude. he's he moves the needle. Like, he is the needle. And I, and I said yesterday, like, they actually, this is crazy. They keep track of the scoring average of the guys who get partnered with Tiger because they want to look at the Tiger effect. Okay. Like does make does playing with Tiger make you nervous? What was your scoring average, you know what I mean? And he actually there was a video that came out last week. He said, "Look, if I get in your head and I make you nervous, that's your own damn fault." Right? But they look at the score like that's how important the guy to the sport is. And I tweeted this out. I was like, "This sport needs another superstar and fast because like if this if you like if you're banking on this guy who's 42, 43 years old, by the way, it's like it's I mean he's not young. And it's just flashes of the reemergence. Like I said, right. it's not like he played the entire weekend brilliantly, right? It was just like, well, oh, he, here it is. He could do it again. Not brilliantly, but he played he played well all weekend. Like you okay. knew he was going to be with what the scoring was. You knew it's like okay if he continues to do that, he'll be all right. Jordan Spieth was really the one." yesterday where it's like, dude, you kind of had that tournament in hand, kind of gave it up, blew up. People were like, you know, his Tiger, I mean, he had the lead and then he ends up losing and people were like, they want to sell it as this huge meltdown from Tiger and I disagree. It's just like, dude, the guy's game isn't all the way back yet. And Francisco Molinari, I know people don't know, but I mean, the guy's won, I think, three other tournaments this year. He's having one hell of a year. And so for him to win that tournament yesterday is really not really strange or, or, or all that. I really don't think this was like a Tiger meltdown on why he wasn't able to get it done. I just think you're seeing a guy who's not totally back, but well further on his way than I was giving him credit for. And uh, as a fan, I'm pretty excited. This, I thought, was a little strange. Um... Just because this feels two years ago to me. Okay. But out of uh, Montgomery, Alabama, where there is a uh, a minor league baseball team, I believe the Rays minor league team, did Millennial Night. Minor league baseball does this where it's just like, the, it's always like some quirky night to get you like sucked in there. And... and- I tip my hat to him. I do. I mean, like you, you got to you got to get people through the door. Like that's your job. And well, and when you have to do one of these four nights a week, mm-hmm. you're gonna run into some of them that are really good, and then some of them are gonna be like, oh, geez, what happened here? Yeah, you can only do like, hey, you know, dollar beer so many times. You can only do like dollar hot dogs so many times. Where it's like you have to give people a unique hook to get them off their couch. So they did Millennial Night. And uh, they said what they were going to do, it's the Montgomery Biscuits. Jeez, some of the naming in minor league sports is really weird. Minor league baseball, for sure. Like, you can't even get anywhere near, like, it can't be, like, anywhere near the sport. I don't know what they come with. I think usually it's like what that city is known for. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I didn't think about that. What 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 they can? But sometimes it just seems to me like random crap. I mean, like the red ants. You know what? Are the mad ants in the G League where it's just like what 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 are we talking about here? So this la- yeah that is really weird. So on last Saturday, uh, what they did was is they did Millennial Night and they gave out participation ribbons just for showing up. 
They had a napping and a selfie station, which I didn't realize napping was a millennial thing. My dad was a huge fan. Um, and uh, apparently there was a lot of avocados. Uh, again, I don't know. I, I wasn't sure the avocado thing was a millennial thing. I thought that was just a people who go to Chipotle thing who were like, you know, for some reason the guac is like all the rage these last few years. But vice president of fan engagement, Mike Murphy, says, look, a bunch of most of us are millennials. I don't understand why millennials on Twitter are mad at us about this. And I, that's where my, I, I knew I was going to say, I was like, I don't know why anybody's going to be mad about this. You know, the person who created it, the person who's tweeting about it, their social media department is going to be a millennial. Probably 29 year old dude. Exactly. Something right. like that. 31, something like that. It's a young like person working yeah. their first job, yeah. like their first real job in the real world. So like, so if it cleared their test, why would this not clear the test of anybody else? But this is just one of those things where I think most people, and this is millennials are going to get painted in a bad light here. Or, geez, they can't even laugh at themselves and this and that. Where most of them are probably, yeah, we're fine. And you're going to hear from the loud vocal minority that is like, don't make fun of us. But you're playing into the stereotype of you can't take this lying. Dude, if you can't take this, you know what I mean, easily, you're playing into the stereotype of it. I, I think this is just a prime example of like a caricature gone extreme here where it's like you're already taking something where it's like you're right. Does does, does the average 33-year-old guy care? No, no. not at all. Like no. not not in the slightest. Not at all. Um, but of course it has to be played up and presented as like, well, look at the online outrage right there. This is exactly what it is. And I'm sure there was a little bit as they started planning this where it was like, dude, you know what's going to happen here is that people are going to get pissed about it on Twitter. We're going to get more circulation out of this. At the end of the day, we're not doing anything like offensive wrong. You know what I'm saying? So Well, the other thing here, and a guy points this out, he's like, well, really what they're doing is they're not trying to pull the millennial. What they're trying to do is get a dude who hates millennials to go and be like, look, they hate the millennials too. It's baseball. We're old. We're stodgy. We're rigid. We're not doing this. And you know what I mean? They're trying to, you know, appease that guy. Makes sense. The, right? Yeah. You know what? Uh, that's That probably <laughs> is what they were doing, right? Makes sense. Because the young person's not going to go to the baseball game as, as likely to. So honestly, if they were doing anything, that probably is what they were doing. 930 will pass out those Coheed and Cambria tickets on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. We may not be a global epidemic yet. On iHeartRadio. This is a dream come. 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show. We're on Rock Number 69. Talk to Scott from winningfornextyear.com. We'll do that coming up 8 o'clock. Did you see they uh, somebody messed with that that latest LeBron James mural in L.A.? I, I just don't get it. I don't understand it. Why would you be against the best player in the game coming to your franchise? I don't understand that. I guess at this point... When you have that much legacy, when you have that much heritage behind you, it's probably like, mm, dude, isn't he the best? You've had other guys who can okay. make a claim to that throne. No, 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 no. But yes, yeah, so that's fine. Okay, that's fine. Let's give let's give the Laker fans that argument. Fine. He's still the best player today. And if I'm a Laker fan, don't I go, we're known for having the best player of the day. Always. That's kind of what we do. It's kind of what we've always done outside of like the Michael era. But, I mean, dude, Magic was, like, one of the best players in his era. Kobe, one of the best players of his era. Shaq. I mean, dude, the names, the the list goes on and on and on and on. It's just kind of, that's kind of what the Lakers do. So I don't understand why why now all of a sudden, because it's LeBron, 
that it's a problem for them. Yeah, and so many other avenues you you welcome in great players, and it's like, yeah, dude, awesome, want you on the squad. Exactly right. Um, but I don't know, man. 2018 haters are gonna hate, and uh, dude, LeBron James certainly a well, he's, he's a, a polarizing rod. figure. You know, he is. He's a lightning rod. There's no doubt. So we'll talk to Scott coming up eight o'clock. I read this, and um, I believe it. I don't know how they end up telling you exactly how much longer you will get in your life. Um, But I do believe that doing this will extend your life. I've been a a huge proponent of this, and I've, I've talked about its benefits plenty of times on the program. But now I guess there's science out there that tells us that regular concert attendance can increase your lifespan by nine years. Wow. Now again, I don't know how they get to a number. But do I believe that like in very much those in the same way that like laughter really is, I don't know, best medicine, but laughter is really good medicine, that it's good for you. It's good for you feeling very much like how I feel like, dude, that crying is actually really good for you, that 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 the release that comes from that, the tension that that gets released from that is actually beneficial to you. And, you you know, yeah, cathartic and uh, that I believe that concert attendance is very much a very similar thing. That um, it hits you on a primal level. They say that the, that live music increases your feelings of self-worth, closeness to others, and I believe that, and I believe that's why concerts are still vastly important. It's that it's people coming together for a common goal. And according to the study, that there's a positive correlation between regular concert attendance and your overall well-being. Uh, and they also say that their scholarly research directly links high levels of well-being with a lifespan and an increase of nine overall years. Is there any breakdown in here of which concerts you attend or anything like that? Or is this just the concept of live music? May it be classical country or, or, or rock? They do not give me the breakdown. So my guess is, is that it's just about the overall live event live music. There's something about live music being played in front of you. Okay. They say um, experiencing a concert for just 20 minutes can result in a 21% increase in feelings of well-being. I could believe that. I could believe being at, at a concert for just 20 minutes. You're like, you know what, dude? Life's not so bad. I could believe that. Yeah, if nothing else, I mean, for a minute, you get whisked away. Like, you don't, whatever whatever issue you had going on going into it, for at least a minute, it's 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 it's, it's not on the top of your mind. This is exactly why people got to stop knocking reunion tours. This right here. Okay. This right here. Because, dude, the concert game feels like a young person's game. Oh, it is 100%, dude. It feels like it, but I don't think it should be. And and I think that this study is giving you a perfect, uh, a perfect insight into that. And I also think that it's... um. That I believe that going to concerts on the regular like that will help keep you young and that you are the age you feel and that if you continue to do fun things like, all right, I'll give you another example. I know a guy named Bob, right? Bob's 92, 92 years old, can beat most guys I play golf with every single day. And I asked him, I said, why do you do that? He goes, most guys my age, he's like, they're already in the ground. Or their brain's a mush. He's like, I have play, I have done this my entire life, and I've never stopped doing it. And he goes, and that's why I'm able to do it, because you stay young, you keep yourself fresh, and I, I think concert going could be the same thing. I wonder how much of it is 
directly because you're going to a concert, you get this feeling of like, you know, Fun. Uh, euphoria or whatever? Or is it just that you are the type of person who's going to go out there and do things, therefore you're the kind of person who would go to concerts, you feel like you have more to live for, more to get up every day, you're not just going to quit and roll over. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder, there's, there's got to be... Uh, there's an overlap, yeah, yes, because a body emotion stays in motion. Yeah, there's there's got to be some level of... I would I would bet you people who go to concerts or do more, more overall are more things. likely to go on vacation, more likely to you know just have a conversation with their neighbor because you're 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 more drawn to social settings and things like that. So I wonder what the direct correlation there is in between those two things. Yeah, you're not wrong about that. Like that, I think, although maybe for for people over forty, but you know how many people who I know that their only activity that they do. Having worked as a bartender at a concert venue, you know how many people I know, and I'm thinking of one particular person right now, that's 30, that goes to 10 concerts, 12 concerts a year, if not more, and that's the only thing she does, though. She doesn't do anything else. She, I mean, so like, I don't know if that's not necessarily true. This could be your one thing. You know what I mean to the outside world. That'd be that would be like saying if you're if you go to the movies, you're more likely to do other things. And I don't necessarily think that that would be true. Um, I I think if you're more likely to get up off your ass and do something, that's probably going to lead. But I take your point there of like it's not necessarily going to be true in every case. It's like there are a lot of guys who will just go to the Browns game on Sunday, but would avoid society at all costs Monday through Saturday. <laughs> You know what I mean? I th- there is going to be some of that. There will be some overlap, though. I don't disagree with you. But I think that there is something to you're standing in the crowd. Your favorite song comes on. You're belting it out at the top of your lungs next to strangers you don't know. You might meet somebody that you don't know. You might have fun. And you can... That let your hair down thing is 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 real. I think if you allow yourself to feel young, you can stay a little younger. And I don't disagree that being in in, in live music um, scenarios is is good for you. I, I can't disagree with that. I think it would increase your life. I don't know how they get to nine years. And like I said, this is why we got to stop knocking reunion tours because you got to give 60-year-old people a band. Yeah, I was going to say, especially as you get older, this probably becomes more and more important and it becomes less and less likely that you have those opportunities. Well, less things that you want to leave the house for, so get the goddamn Eagles out on the road. Good point. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I love reunion tours. The more and more I read this, the more and more I want those. More Sansbury Show right around the corner. We're going to teach you how to figure out whether or not somebody is lying to you next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to The Stansberry Show. We're on Rock 106.9. 8 o'clock. We'll talk to Scott from moneyfornextyear.com. I want to tread lightly here. All right. Because we're going to talk about liars. And I would like to think that for most people... Where you encounter the most amount of lying is in the workplace. And I say that because I would like to think that you and your spouse are not lying to each other a whole lot. I would like to think that. Well, I'm going to choose to think it here in this right here because, dude, when I meet people, they're like, dude, I like you. I listen to you every day, but you're a little negative on, 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 on the typical marriage. People tell me, they're like, dude, you got a little jaded outlook and that most of us aren't really 
that it's not what you think it is. I wonder, man, because I think there's plenty of lying going on in the walls of your home, too. And so like, I think I also think inside the home, if you're being lied to a lot, it's probably by your children and you know that that's happening and you know where the lie is and you know what the lie is and what the motivation for the lie. So you can kind of sniff that out. So that, that's really not. I mean, obviously, in the teenage years, a little bit more. Yes. But if your four year old lies to you, it's not necessarily going to bring, you know what I mean? Your system down. We're being lied to at work can cause a lot of problems for you. So that's how we're going to make this relatable. And we got to be careful here because we work in a very small building and I don't want anybody walking away offended. Okay. But we have ways here to figure out if somebody is lying to you. And one of the ways they say is rope your friends in. Meaning when you talk to people, be around a group of other people. So, like this phantom, you want to go talk to somebody in sales. Okay. Yo, swing by this conversation with me. And that way, after the conversation, you then, you and I then have a conversation and you'll see things. I'll pick up things maybe you didn't. I'll be like, yeah, did you notice this too? Like, that was weird because if that was true, she wouldn't have said this. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I didn't look at it from that way. Another set of ears on the story there. And somebody else kind of being critical in the situation and somebody that you can verify stuff off of because oftentimes I feel like in conversations, I don't exactly remember. Every single thing. So sure. It's good. No, of course. So it's good to have that. Like, wait. Now, what was what was the point of this here? Or what was you know? They also say, and I bet this is true, that the the bigger the group of the people, the more likely the lie will be called out in the moment. Right. I do believe that. Also, they say the more people around in the conversation, the less likely the lie is to be told. Yeah, I would hundred percent agree with that because you, as the liar at that point, you've got one person. It feels easy to do. Now you've got seven people where it's like you know there's seven different sets of ears that you're right can 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 look for it or can you know verify what you're saying or fact check what you're saying so well, yeah that makes sense what's interesting about that too is that it also gives you a little insight as to like who people what they think about other people because really what it is is you'll lie to somebody you think you can fool right but if you have respect for somebody's intelligence, you probably will. You probably would not lie right in front of them. I don't know because there's people who are pathological liars, and it doesn't matter who's in front yeah, of them; they'll continue that lie. That's a little bit of an outlier situation, though, right? I would say that most people are probably not pathological liars. I don't, I don't know. I mean, how regularly do I feel like I have to catch you in a lie before it's like I question everything you say? Because there's certainly people within my life where I'm like, dude, anything that comes out of your mouth, I question. So, like, are you pathological at that point? I don't know. I don't know. There's weird, there's well, weird minds there. Yes, I think that would be a definition of pathological, right? That if I have to question everything you say, that we've reached that status. I would say, yes, that person I would worry about, and I want to know who that person is. <laughs> and during the next Red Hot Chili Pepper song, I'm going to get to find out. Because I need because they're probably in my life, too. There's a lot of overlap. Indeed I, they are. I, I want to know. I want to know who that is. Indeed they are. They say, obviously, this is another one of these here, catching people in lies, is watching for the weird body language. Like if covering your mouth or rubbing your nose too much, crossing your arms. But the problem is, is that people say that, but people have weird mannerisms. Like I talk with my hands a lot. Um, I'm bad with eye contact. That's another one they say, be wary of that. But dude, I'm bad with that. Like I am. And so I I don't think that you can, the problem, this is like any other thing on the internet. People read it and go, oh, my room's messy. I'm a genius. Well, I think, I think what, what it is probably is stuff that's, 
you know, it's going to be harder to tell if somebody's lying to you the first time you meet them. But if you have, you know, a working relationship with them or obviously like a, you know, you sure. know a personal relationship with them, you should probably know what their day to day is like. And all of a sudden, if you change that day to day, if you are a little bit more squeamish, if you are less likely to catch eye contact, if you are more, you know, like whatever that tell is, whether it's touching your face or whatever, that's when you're going to be able to see it and be like, wait a second. So yesterday you come into my office and we talk about X, Y, and Z and, you know, normal eye contact, normal this. Now all of a sudden you come in here, something I suspect you of lying of, and you're kicking rocks looking at your shoes the whole right. time. That's, that's, that's suspicious. Well, any, yeah, any big swing in behavior would, would be a red flag for me. Actually, they get into eye contact here and they say you should actually be more weary of somebody who's trying whatever they do to make sure uh. they remain keeping eye contact with you because they know it's like, okay, if I look you in the eyes, there's no way you're going to think I'm lying to you, which that is creepy when somebody's like intentionally and you can tell it's like, dude, why are you trying to stare into my eyes this hard? Right, 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 right. Like, what is this? And even as we're talking about eye contact, I think Stansbury and I have caught eyes like more often than we normally do. Um, Don't pe- say caught eyes. Well, people people get so like weird about this. Like, well, what's the appropriate amount? And like, it should never be more than like a second or two, like once you hit it and you kind of, ex- you know, all right, here we are, move on, look at something else, do something else. But if you're constantly darting around the room, avoiding it, it is, it's super suspicious. Yeah. If you, if, if, if it's both, if, if you were too intently looking into my eyes, I'd be like, ah, what's going on here? What is this? But if you, if you can't, like focus in on the conversation who you're having the conversation with, I'd be we- I'd be a little worried about what's happening with that as well. They say another one thing, the number one thing is just listen for overall inconsistencies. Um, they say pay close attention and compare it to other conversations you've had with that contip- you know that particular person. If they speak a lot faster or slower than usual or mm-hmm. skipping um, you know, contractions. They say Bill Clinton was a good example here. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. So those are those are two very common slip ups. They say listen for those two things. So so in like a non lie, I would have said I didn't have sex with that woman. But in that lie, he he was he was skipping contractions. There? I think when you double down, yeah, I, I th- did not. Yeah. Okay. Now, I wouldn't have thought about it that way. Okay. But when you're being adamant, but remember, again, it's a stand-up comedy bit, but Dave Chappelle had said, dude, there's nobody more passionate than a dude who's been accused of sleeping with a chick he didn't sleep with. Like, that dude will go to great lengths and be like, I didn't do it! You know know what I mean? And so, I I don't know if that's true or not, but it was true of Bill, but... Yeah, but I guess it's just those general inconsistencies. If you're that kind of person who doesn't doesn't speak like that from the jump off, and then all of a sudden you are, there is a little bit of like... And like I said, anytime you have that suspicion of... Are they lying to me? You're probably going to find some res- like evidence, some sort of like. Well, it's like dude, it's like wanting to look through the phone of your partner. Right, you're gonna find something you're in there where you're something. like, wait a second, who's this call to? Exactly right. So if you're if you're on if you're on the hunt for it, there's something there. Let me ask you this. Okay. You deal with somebody every day in the building that lies to you. Okay. Every and I know. Okay. Because I I I, I know I I well I hear you bitch about it. <laughs> right. How do you know when he's lying? I want to know what he does that you know he's lying to you. Um, Because I don't deal with this guy as much. Definitely any time where there is, where he's coming to me like, like, 
hey, what did you do here? Right out of the gate, I'm already like, whoa, 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 okay. dude. What are, we, what are we already coming in here for? Positioning the whole thing to start as Fantone's is you. where this fell down. You, because it, okay. it was last week. There was something that was a prime example of this. Yeah, because he came in here. And there was, you know, there's seven different emails that go out about things and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, I very much st- stayed out of it because I was like, this doesn't have anything to do with me. And then all of a sudden, they couldn't find out where the problem was and everyone was denying it. You know, the first sure. person was like, ah, nope, it was something on the second person's end. The second person was like, no, it wasn't on my end. It's got to be on Fantone's end. And I'm like, guys, I had nothing to do with this. This was just 100% I was included in on an email of something. And he comes in and he's like, no, it's got to be this and it's got to be this. And I'm like, no, dude. And here's the proof of it not being so. And then at that point, he's like, well, the first person must have. The first person must have been the problem. And yeah. I'm like, dude, I know it was you. Biggest liar in the building? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I yeah. Okay, see, uh, all right, now here's what I know. I know you well enough to know that the way you said that, the first I don't know was fine. The second I don't know. See, this is how well I know Fantone right here. The first I don't know was like fine. It was like, I don't know. Maybe there's pe- other people work here. I don't deal with everybody. That second I don't know that, that I don't know. That second one was, are you kidding me? Are you forgetting about this person? And so you got somebody else on the list and I want to know who that is. Well, there's, um, you know, there's definitely people within the building who, I, and I think it's really the same same as the first person is you don't want to you want to transfer the blame onto other people yeah. and like that's where lying comes into place is when you when you don't want to take accountability for what you've done or whatever and this person is notorious and well known for throwing people under the bus so I don't I don't look at him though as a liar I look at him as a a BSer and that's different to me somehow or another. Yeah, I know what you mean. I it's because you like him. Well, I guess. Yeah. That, I mean, that's all that is right there is because you like that person. Because I like that person too. But if that if that activity was being done by somebody we didn't like, we would hate him for it. He's such a spinner, though. He's just constantly looking for another way to be like, nope, don't worry about that over yep. there. I got something over here. Like he spins plates in the air better than anybody I've ever met. He does. Anybody and, I've ever met. And sometimes that comes with some. I, I see because once again, I don't want to say lies. I don't want to say deception. I, I it's like but almost, it is. It's almost like showmanship, where it's sleight like, of hand. Yeah, that's exactly what it is to me. See, this is tough, but I would also view lying to me in the office very different from management than I would like a coworker. Yeah, like yeah. there's uh, there's sometimes much like the president, there are sometimes when it's your job to lie to me. When it's your job just to be like, ah, dude, the troops don't need to know this just yet. Right. Like, Everything's like, fine. Like, don't let's worry just, about yeah, it. Yeah, no, bankruptcy. It's going to be great. Good. It's going to do that. Best we, kind it, of bankruptcy. It's, it, it's the good kind of debt. Like, those kind of lies, like, I, you do. You kind of need that from your boss, man. You Otherwise, do. dude, you just got a bunch of Indians running around with their ass caught on and, fire. And you, 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 do, you need the chief. You, you, do need, you do need that. You do need your wife to tell you it's the biggest one she's ever seen. But there's, you're right. There is something about that peer-to-peer relationship where it's like you have no real incentive here to lie to me other than to so why are you right lying? To, other than to throw me under the bus exactly like some i'm somehow or another losing here where you're right when the boss is like ah eh, dude everything's fine don't worry about that that's just that's just steadying the ship to me i don't find i don't find myself in a position to lie a lot at work because i feel like sometimes when you lie at work a lot of times is when either a you're asked to do more than what your time you know gives you you know right. uh, the time to do which I, my job doesn't ask that of me 
or that if you're asked to do something outside of what your scope of your ability is, and my job doesn't really ask that of me a whole lot either. Not a lot of reason to lie. And so, yeah, I don't really have a whole lot of situations to lie. And so, like, at the end of the day, it's like, I feel pretty good about where I stand in the building on that. Plus, dude, I'm not a really don't come to work a lot guy. That's another reason why people would lie in the office a lot. Like, I'm a, dude, you got to drag me out of here even if I'm sick. So, like, I don't really have to worry about that either. But yeah, that guy that lies to you every day. I was just curious if there were even things in the email, if you could notice if there was different wording, if there was this, because dude, he lies every day. The thing I will say about him too is he's not an eye contact person. He's pretty no. timid from the jump, so it's kind he of hard, it's kind of hard to tell of like to pin oh, him down. Yeah, it's when when it, when it, when when can I trust you here, man? We're on to you, dude. We know you're a liar. We know we know you lie about everything. Quit throwing Fantone underneath the damn bus. Quit lying about him. More Sansbury Show is right around the corner. You guys hang out. Nine. Welcome back to the Sansbury Show. We're on Rock 106.9. Dude, I just saw this, that there are seven Robin Hood movies in development. Jeez. Seven. Seven. Now, that I don't get. Now, I know I'm down on the movie thing a lot, but... Now, maybe if you were going to completely update it, and it was going to be because a lot of people feel like they're the have nots right now. Like everybody feels like they're a have not right now. So if you were going to completely update it and it was going to be robbed from Wall Street and give to Main Street, maybe, maybe. But if we're doing like a for real, true to the heart, what the story was, like Kevin Costner, Robin, like what the hell are we thinking? Well, I mean nostalgia, you know what I mean? And everyone very familiar with that story, very familiar with those characters, so like I'm not necessarily shocked to find out that somebody was like, hey dude, you know what we should do? Robin Hood. We don't have any ideas. One, right. Maybe two, because sometimes you'll see that and... and, and, and That is weird how that happens. What happens there usually, and I, I read an article about this, is so many times within a movie, people will leave the movie and it was remember when like really? remember when ants and a bug life came out and people were like oh my god it's the same movie at the same time it's like yeah originally those people thought they were doing this movie together somebody got let go somebody got fired somebody couldn't do the project anymore and they were oh. like ah you know what we're going to do this I thing i already you, have i thought you meant the audience oh left the movie early no no okay, no no, no. Okay. i'm saying okay. people right. who were involved in the production of the movie all right that makes a lot more sense they 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 you know branch away from each other and then they both had the same idea uh, of like I never thought right. of that, but yeah. So, uh, I, I, but seven movies? And I mean, don't get me wrong. You're right. There is a little bit of haves and haves not. But at the same time, I mean, like, there's going to be backlash against this for sure, dude. If you don't do think you? if you don't think there's going to be people who see Robin Hood and say, socialist propaganda, dude, you're insane. Insane. Whoa. Whoa. Steal from the rich. What did the rich do? The rich didn't do anything wrong. Now you're villainizing the rich. Bernie Sanders movies. Mm-hmm, dude. If you don't think that, if you don't think that, and somehow or another, here's the thing, dude. I can guarantee you that 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 George Soros has something to do with it, right? Like inevitably, you got money and everything. Uh, yeah. And now it's gonna be like, oh, dude, those libtards are trying to, they're trying to, you know, you know, propaganda our kids. Well, the better argument is that Robin Hood has been trying to be propaganda to your kids forever. 
that that that's been the mission of it forever was to take from people who have things and give it to people who do not. Yeah, I was gonna say, and that was never presented as like an anti-American ideal or anything Ever. like that. That was just very much like, no, it's a noble, like virtuous thing that Robin Hood Robin was Hood's trying to good. do. And I can, I, I'm telling you right now, man, I can already hear Ben Shapiro saying something about like, well, actually, you know what I mean? Like, I can, I can, I can already see it, dude. All right. Well, I mean, I'm kind of all right. I'm already on that side, though. I am. No, <laughs> wait, cause, wait a Because I, I believe Scrooge McDuck should get to keep his coins. He worked for those coins. Keep the coins. You know what I mean? I don't know why. I don't. I don't know why we need seven Robin Hood movies, though. Now, I'm going to guess some of them aren't going to make it to theaters. But one of them's if, probably a direct to Netflix. Even if we're talking about five, even if we're talking about four, what the hell? What the hell, people? Like, come up with a new goddamn idea. Well, three would be a lot. Yeah, I, I, I'd say one would probably be enough, dude. I, I think. I, like I said, I think if you update it for today, I get what you're saying. Yes, there's going to be that argument for sure. There's going to be, but I think if you update it for today's world, I think it comes off pretty good. Actually. Yeah, there's a flip side to the coin of yes, for as many people who are going to be upset with it, there's going to be people who are like, dude, that's that's my cause. That's what I want to be a part of. That's that's my new hero. And honestly, I'm a little surprised that the imagery of Robin Hood and that concept hasn't been more embraced by people who want to you know, promote those values, promote that that concept of like, you know. Well, because that's what they want to do. They want to promote the value. They don't want to do it. But if if what you're trying to do is promote having having a a a, a character involved, you know what I mean? Like that that makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean that's I mean it's definitely the old. Well, I don't know, definitely, but it's definitely the oldest story I remember of that kind of mentality of don't hoard, give out. Um, you know, nourish the streets. I, uh, I, I've. It's definitely the oldest story I know of that. Um, so I'm not surprised to see it coming back. And I could see. And yeah, you're right. There's a way to Bernie Sanders this movie all for the sure. way out. For sure, there is. There's a way to do that and to sell that story that way. And I think that's the way it'll be. It'll be rogue blogger goes nuts and knocks over this and gives away this, and that'll be the way they play it out. We'll talk to Scott from Winning for Next Year. We'll do that next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. All right. I like it. I like it a lot. Rock 106.9. Yoga Fighting Championship bringing MMA action back to the flats. That's right. It is Honor Fighting Championship 6. It is fight night at Nautica and all goes down August 18th up in Cleveland. Now listen, tickets are already moving fast. I don't want you to get shut out. So go get yours at HonorFightingChampionship.com. The lineup is already stacked and it includes friend of the Stansberry Show, uh, the Vanilla Gorilla Nick Brashear. He'll be making his MMA Pro Day debut at fight night you don't want to get shut out on this dude tickets still available uh including vip packages get yours at honorfightingchampionship.com this report is brought to you by taco bell Joe, rock 106.9 welcome back to the sands show we're on rock 106.9 where we're passing out coheed and cambria tickets 9 30 this morning we'll do that 1-800-243-7625 the number you'll need on those it's eight o'clock monday morning so we do it every week we talk to our buddy scott from winningfornextyear.com how are you this morning Doing well, man. I'm on my way to Westfield to hack up their course today. Oh, nice, 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 nice. Play well, buddy. I, uh, dude, I hope you play well. I, um, I'll try to, man. How are you guys? I'm doing well. I, um, I feel like a lot of people are down, and this, um, this time in sports, they feel like there's just not a lot of action. But I disagree. This is, uh, I like this time right now because for me, I am a delayed baseball season start person. To me, the All Star Game is the starting pistol of the baseball season. 
now i feel like okay now i'll pay attention from now until the end of the year it feels like somehow like the games matter more am i alone well they certainly matter more because i mean each passing day there's less time to make up make up space or or create space between division opponents and things like that and and you'll start to get the, the nba or nba uh major league baseball has figured out a way much like an NFL in some capacity um, to schedule a lot of division opponents towards the tail end of schedules. Um, so if, if things do get interesting in any of the divisions, um, you could you could really count on, you know, the AL East playing each other and the and the AL Central and, and the AL West clearly, but uh, you know the East and the, and the Central are more, you know, on our televisions um, playing one another to to make things a little more interesting. So no, the, the second half is certainly. Um, more important, you're going to start to see pitchers start to rack up innings, and every, with every inning, you know whether starters or relievers, things get more interesting, and then and, and younger guys start to get more at bats under their belts. So the Yandy Diaz's of the world start to get a few more cuts. So no, it's a uh, it's a good time to uh, to start uh, start picking up the team, especially if you spent the last couple months, uh, you know, entrenching at, at NBA free agency. Yeah, I think uh, it kind of hit me over over the head like a, like, like a ton of bricks. Somebody said to me, like, dude, we're at the tail end of summer. We're almost 100 games into the baseball season right now. Yeah. And it is. It's not even the second half. I mean, we're essentially on the last third of the season right now. So as a lot of people are probably just trying to now check in with the Indians who have been sitting in first place in the Central essentially the entire season, uh, give us a state of the union. Tell us what we should be looking for. Tell us who we should be excited about. Tell us where the, where the question marks are. Well, they had six All-Stars, which is a heck of a start. Um, arguably could have had seven. Carlos Carrasco is 12-5 and five with a, a sub-4 ERA. Um, but there's just a lot of really good pitchers in the AL to, uh, that, that the Indians weren't going to get three. Um, and, they, by the way, Jose Ramirez is the, uh, <laughs> by whether it's fan graphs or baseball reference, uh, war calculation, wins above replacement. Uh, Jose Ramirez is the most valuable player in baseball right now, uh, regardless of calculations. He is worth more wins than Mike Trout, more wins than Mookie Betts, wow. more wins than than some of the other pitchers. He is, you know, undeniably the uh, the, the hottest producing player in baseball right now. And there's a a chance. Um, Frankie Lindor's fourth in both calculations, wow. and there's a chance that if they finish on pace where they are now, that they will uh, they'll challenge uh, Mantle and Maris. For the highest producing teammates in in in, uh, in baseball history, which is Jeez. which is incredible. That is incredible. Now again, I'm harping on baseball a lot. They do a bad job of selling narrative. They do a bad job of selling storyline. At least it feels that way to me. Like I feel like baseball's never in front of my eyes ever. Like I feel like I lo- I'm on social media all day, every day. I never see baseball stuff ever. And like that's true, they need to be selling that. They need to be like driving that point home. Although I think maybe that they don't, because am I right about this? Maybe this is just the way it feels. I don't know if I'm right about this or not. But it feels to me like baseball's audience doesn't like when their records get messed with. That it almost like don't don't mess with this sacred ground where we love when a wide receiver breaks a record. A little bit. Um, there's also the argument I, I mentioned it. Uh, you know the whole Ramirez Lindor thing. Um, you know, a couple weeks ago, and my replies were, if if they were playing short and third in New York, you wouldn't stop hearing about it. Um, That's if they a fair were point. if they were the third if they were the shortstop and third baseman in Boston, you would not stop hearing about it. 
um, which I, I, I'm not to play the victim. You know, I'm not the woe is us Cleveland small market. But I think there's an element of truth to that because those are the teams that are on TV all the time. And if, if, you're, if ESPN is trying to sell you on why you should be watching tonight's Yankees game, they're going to tell you, oh, yeah, by the way, Aaron Judge, these right. two guys are, are on the brink of history. Um, so I think, I think there's an element of, of what, truth to what you were saying. Uh, because we all we always think the guys who played back in the day are better than the guys playing today, always. right? I mean, yes. just think of you know when you when any any NBA veteran or his you know Hall of Famer is asked about today's play, they can't wait to tell you how much tougher it was when they were playing. Um, you know, thankfully, a lot of the stats in baseball today weed a lot of that out. Um, it, it 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 level sets pitching, it level sets stadium size, it level sets all the things that. Uh, that, that you know used to take place back in the day and 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 you know so I think it does there there's there's a market element to it as well where if it was Jeter and Arod um there there there'd be no shortage of headlines talking about him that's I think a good point so I then want to ask this follow-up question on that do you think baseball media is hesitant to wrap its arms around a positive Indian story because we had to be dragged into getting rid of the logo and re- were resistant to not changing the team name, and that there's people that feel like you know what this brings a black eye on baseball because we won't we won't move forward from this. Eh, I mean, I, maybe a, a couple, a handful of quote baseball I just media. Think, I feel like there's I just some think all, I just think is there. I just think the media is housed in either New York or L.A. You know what I mean? So they, they are, you know, if you're talking about pockets of media, there's not a lot of national media in Cleveland. I mean, think, it, it took that winning streak last season for some of those national magazine writers to parachute in here to talk about the team. Um, you know, so right now, I mean, you're, 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 world, you're defending World Series champions, the Houston Astros, are, are playing extremely well out west. And, and you have the Yankees and the Red Sox jockeying uh, in, in the east. So the Indians are kind of the, you know, I don't want to say afterthought, but they're, they're the afterthought right now when you're talking about national teams. You have the, you have the Dodgers who just acquired Machado. Right. Um, you know, so there's a, lot of, there, there's a lot of headwinds for this Cleveland team to start getting some attention. But, you know, I do think, to your point about the second half or, you know, to Matt's point about it being almost the last third, once these teams start to kind of weed out, a little bit, and, and, and you, the contenders start to sort out from the pretenders, I do think you're going to start to see a lot more attention paid upon these guys. But it's, just, it's, it's the nature of baseball, you know, being 162 games, and it's the nature of the marketplace. You know, Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton are going to continue to get headlines, even though, uh, you know, by the way, these two small, you know, 130-pound, 140-pound infielders, Jose Ramirez and, and, and uh, Francisco Lindor, are outplaying them by every metric possible. This is a very interesting look because this is what's what I find totally interesting about this. We've seen it in the NBA. Dudes want to play on like four teams. We're now seeing it with the media talking about baseball. They want to cover four teams, which means what? Guys want to play at four teams. Everybody tells me I'm crazy. But how are we not head- I know what everybody says, but everything that we're doing, everything that's happening is gearing towards less teams in these leagues. Outside of owners making the money, there is no argument to not reduce these leagues down by half and uh, across all three of them. I mean, it's just, I mean, we openly say it. I mean, guys, they were talking about an NBA trade and somebody said, well, maybe Sacramento. And every, dude, every guy on the TV laughed. 
They were like, there's no way he would ever consider it. It's like, well, dude, if nobody wants to go play there, if nobody wants to go see games there, then what the hell are we doing with games there? Like, this, you know what I mean? So if the media, and I think the media creates where guys want to play, because you're right. They focus on Boston. They focus on New York. They focus on L.A. And if you're a young baseball player, where would you want to live? I would rather live in one of those places, too. So how are we not gearing towards, guys, we have to do something here because nobody wants to talk about anywhere else and nobody wants to play anywhere else, but we got to have more than three teams. Like, what? I mean, what, what are we doing? I feel like we're just... Yeah, well, base, baseball's a bit different because of the finances, finances, right? I mean, that people want to play, yes, New York, whatever, L.A., whatever, but going there means you're also going to get paid much more than you would if you're going to Pittsburgh That's or if you're going to Milwaukee or if you're coming to Cleveland. Like, there's a reason Francisco Lindor hasn't been locked up yet is, is because Cleveland's probably not going to be able to afford him in a couple of years. And I wrote a story heading in my, my, my preview piece, you know, coming into this season was about Lindor and how the Indians are very hesitant to market individuals because they, those individuals doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be here long term. Right. You know, they're, they're, they're always team before individual, and they want people to rally together and you know, embrace the team. Meanwhile, they have these two players who are playing out of their minds, but the, net, the natural narrative, anytime I, I tweet about Francisco Lindor, it's like, oh, he'll be a Yankee in four years. You know what I mean? But, you know, I, here's me wanting to enjoy those the, 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 the rest four of the time he's in Cleveland. Right. <laughs> you know, but, enjoy the four. But everybody, everybody's like, why buy the puppy when the dog's going to die eventually? Right? It's, it's, it's a very weird way to look at it, but it's just the nature of what we've kind of grown to, you know, assume when it comes to when it comes to baseball that the larger markets with the with the regional sports money are going to be the ones to you know to have the money to to pay these guys i'll argue i will argue you know lindor grew up watching roberto alomar and when you when you when you come from latin america you you yet you you yes you you see teams more often because of you know they're probably on television but you also cling to guys who like came before you and if you know, and he he liked the Indians growing up because Robbie Alomar at the time was a Cleveland Indian. Um, you know what I mean? So there there's an element of that I think we still have to cling to if we want hope for these smaller markets. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, when you know when when the Yankees or Dodgers or whomever can 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 outbid someone by twenty percent in the free agent market, I mean that's kind of where all these guys are just going to end up. Yeah, it's it it, it I. I feel like all the sports are circling the drain right now, and I have one of two fixes. Either reduce the amount of teams in every league by half tomorrow, or really what's happened is is that the athlete's too inflated. And if we took this back to where if you play professional sports, you're the richest dude in that town, you're not trans... It's not like you're the richest dude in the world like I think honestly, if we reduced pay scale, it would go back to guys legitimately humping a living out, and you would see real competition versus ah, it's Tuesday night in Milwaukee. I don't have to play. I think you would see that, and I think honestly, but neither one of those two things are ever going to happen. So in the end, what will happen is we'll just keep avoiding the fact that we have these huge problems, glaring issues with these sports. We'll keep denying them, and in the end, they'll all end up eating themselves and collapsing in on one another. Ready to start your week, buddy? Filled with positivity. <laughs> <laughs> I am, my man. There, well, there you go, man. Play well today, dude. Uh, enjoy Weymouth. That's a, that's one hell of a track, man. Have fun out there.
Thanks. I appreciate it. Take we'll care. Talk to you again next Monday. That's Scott from Winning for Next Year. You will not believe the new item headed to your student's classroom to make it safer. That's next on Rock 106.9. Dan Stansberry and his boy, Wonder Matt Fantone. At last, two heroes. The Stansberry Show. Rock 106.9. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show. We're on Rock 106.9, about an hour away from hooking you up with those Coheed and Cambria tickets. 1-800-243-7625, the number you'll need on those. You should want those. We already told you earlier this morning, regular concert attendance extends your life nine years. I buy that. I don't, I, I don't know how they get to like how long, but I do believe that regular concert attendance would keep you young. And uh, yes, it's you know the tension released, all that would be totally beneficial for you. Yeah, I think there's a million different ways that it could add to you to your health positively, mentally, physically. Even looking forward to going yeah. is, is a positive emotion. Just having that like excitement about something, something yeah. that gets you out of bed each and every morning. Uh, speaking of concerts that I know a ton of people were excited about. Avenged Sevenfold. Yeah. 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 Dude. Canceled the tour. Yeah. M Shadows. What did I have? Any blue is like vocal, vocal cord, cord or something? Now, yeah. yeah. Sad. A lot yeah, of people. We gave a lot of those away. A lot of people were excited about that. Yeah. That was going to be a big one. I was going to go to that. Um, and I saw that. I was like, man, what a what a debacle that is for like the venues. And uh, I mean, although it's probably easier now than ever to give people their money back. Yeah. I mean, because it's all just online, digital. I mean, most of it's going to be digital refund. Where I'm sure back in the day that was harder. Bring your tickets down here and we'll give you this. And you know what I mean? I'm sure that was way harder. But that is unfortunate for Blossom. That was going to be a big night for them. Yeah. Michigan now, where high school students will have something new in the classroom to help them stay safe. We're giving high school kids safety buckets. Okay. Walmart donated about 144 buckets. These are like the five gallon type things. And they're going to be filled with like gauze pads and like bandages, water, oh, and necessities you need in situations for like a long-term lockdown. And at first I was like, well, that's sad we need that. And then I was like, no, it's almost more sad we haven't always had that. Like, I can't believe, like when I read that, I was like, oh, yeah. Like, I can't believe a parent before now hasn't been like, what do you mean we don't have all this stuff in the classroom? When you first said to me that there was going to be like a bucket in there, I thought filled with weapons, filled with something, filled with Rocks. some sort of, you know, yeah. and, and, and I'm, I'm not against those ideas of like, what are you going to do? But this is, you know, so many times in these conversations about school shootings, it just quickly turns into the things we can't agree on. Well, it's like, well, should we have bump stocks or should we have, you know, uh, you know, armor piercing, or piercing bullets and should we, should we have guns at all? And it's like, well, we're not going to come to an agreement there. How is, how is this not commonplace? Yeah. I can't believe that before now, that nobody has raised their hand and said, wait a minute. So my kid's there all day. You it, it, and, and in every classroom where they are, there's not this. And so it just got, it, dude, this has me thinking. And part of it is, is like, well, who's going to apply said medical care, right? Because a teacher's not a nurse. Right. So hear me out. Okay. I think America's going to head to the place where you have to be more than one thing wherever you work. Okay. Where if you're going to teach kids, guess what? You're going to have to have qualifications in this too. Is that out of line? Is it to, like to have basic first aid like well, capabilities? Is it out of line? No, but we're going to have to rethink how everybody in the world gets compensated. Like if the expectations are that you have to do that person's job too, 
along with Teach Beowulf, we're going to have to figure out how we compensate people. But I think we're heading in this direction where more and more people, your expectation of what, what your safety is what your, and your happiness is, and more often than not, a convenience factor is going to lead to some of this in other areas of life too. Your expectations of what life is is going to require the average person working a job to have to do something else that's outside the realm of that particular position. And then eventually we're all going to just have to become Swiss Army Knives. Otherwise, you're not going to be valuable enough to keep around anywhere. Yeah, I mean, that already definitely exists within this industry. And I know this is a different thing than, you know, teaching English class and and like, you know, applying gauze to a bullet wound. But there is there is going to be some of this in the future. And as school's responsibility there is to keep kids safe. I mean, that's right. that, that I, I, don't, I don't understand. I can't come up with the argument of like, well, no, we can't cross this bridge. No, I mean, I want, I'm fine with the gauze pads. I'm fine with all that stuff being in the classroom. Like I said, my biggest thing was I can't believe nobody did bitched before now. Yeah, I, it seems like such an obvious thing where every classroom should have this. I mean, and yes, worst case scenario, there's a school shooting, but like there's also plenty of other situations you can think of in life where it's like having medical equipment available quickly to you could help. So like, yeah, like you're right, dude. How is this not standard par for the course? Even like even like a first aid kit is going to be better than nothing, but like a true to the heart survival bucket with like things that can help in those emergency situations that should be in every every classroom in the country. It is alarming how unprepared for an emergency situation I am. I mean, alarming. I have absolutely not one thing in my car. Like, dude, if I'm on the side of the road for six hours, I'm screwed. Done. Stands very dead. Just lay down in the ditch. It's over. I mean, I may have a bottle of something to drink that I had with me for that ride, but I don't have like, there's nothing in the trunk with like, hey, here's Band-Aids. Here's this. Here's a flare. Get this going. Nothing in my house. Nothing. It it just goes back to so many of us. We just have that stereotypical American. It'll never happen to me. It's not, what what, what am I getting prepared for? It's not going to happen to me. Those idiots need to be. That's how good life in this country is. That's why I'm always telling people, dude, quit bitching. Quiet down about how bad everything is here. When in reality, it's not. If things were as bad as you, they're being sold to you, you would have preparation kits for every scenario in life. But you don't because you're lulled into this false sense of security because of how easy and padded your American life is. So stop logging on to Twitter and complaining about, oh, my God, your toxic masculinity and all this BS that you want to pretend is real that is not. Because if you lived in any real danger whatsoever, you would be prepared at all times but none of us are because we never face danger ever but is it that false sense of security because there are plenty of dead bodies right i mean there's plenty of dead bodies lying in the halls of schools right i'm just saying dude when overall people have this thing where their life is so bad and you're so persecuted against and everybody's out to get you and nobody understands you and all this bs all this individuality crap that's being pushed on social media is doing you more harm than good but should we have bandages in classrooms yes i can't believe it took dead bodies in a classroom to get that figured out how ass backwards are we as a people like how dumb is that it took school shootings to be like ah let's put band-aids in here like how stupid are we more stansbury show right around the corner hang on the stansbury show canton's rock station rock 106.9 
1069. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show. We're on Rock 1069, 930. We'll pass out those Coheed and Cambria tickets. We're being asked. Yeah, that Avenged Sevenfold uh, show is canceled. Prophets of Rage was on it, but I believe they've canceled the whole show. Yeah. Um, I don't. Prophets of Rage was not going to be able to carry Blossom. I don't see that happening. But maybe. I mean, yeah. I don't see it. That feels like a House of Blues show to me. No, it, it, it's unfortunate, but like. They're the headliner. Like, what are you gonna? You yeah. can't. If 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 Prophets of Rage had to j- jump off, you could still do Avenge Sevenfold. You can't do it the other way. There. No, I mean, dude, Avenge Sevenfold was. As a matter of fact, dude, a lot of their audience was pissed. They were taking Prophets of Rage out on tour. When I interviewed M Shadows, I had him on the air, and he said he was like, dude, he's like, a lot of our fan base was pissed because they don't want all that political garbage on our show. He's like, now we don't care. We're gonna bring them out. We think they're talented. He's like, but a lot of the audience was mad. A lot of that audience didn't want to see that band. Because of what their you know their political rhetoric is now, I personally enjoy it. But I'll say this: had that Prophets of Rage album that they put out been good, you might have had a better chance. But it wasn't good. It was not good. It was like quite the opposite of good. So I don't think you have that as an option to you. Emmy's uh, letting me know that apparently in the classrooms in Canton City, they've had basic first aid kits in the classrooms for the twenty years. I was like, okay, well then, yeah, that that makes sense to me. Well, said more recently adopted a more complete emergency bucket like you had mentioned, but they've had basic first aid training at some point in their career. We act as a teacher, nurse, mom, dad, counselor, and referee on a daily basis. That's what I'm saying. It was like, I think as we continue to move forward, that most positions in this country are going to require you to actually be one of like three different things and that we're going to become a more Swiss army knife type person. As a matter of fact, coming up at 930, Starbucks is doing this already where they're requiring all of their staff at one particular Starbucks to be fluent in something. And it had me thinking, like, I can't believe more service positions don't require you to do this. And I think it's going to end up having to be a thing and wait till you figure out what you're going to have to learn in order to be able to serve people coffee and food in this country. And at 930, we're going to give you that because I agree. I think that that's going to end up being a thing. I think more requirements for what your job is is going to be one of the new pushes. Look for hours worked in a week to extend. I keep saying if 60 is the new 40 in age, 60 is going to be the new 40 in the work week too. And that if you and so look for that change. Also look for more time off like as far as vacation time versus compensation. Look for that to be the new push from corporate America. And I think we're going to move to a more Swiss army knife type positioning. Where it's like, well, yeah, what else? What other trick do you got? What else can you do? Great, you can teach English. What else you got? And I think that the, we're going to move to a more system like that. I don't see how we can't. For what your expectation of happiness is, people are going to have to be able to do more. It's just the way it is. I don't. I mean, what, I mean, you can't expect that much convenience, that cheap, that thing, all this stuff at all times, and have people be, you know, a one job thing. It's just I don't see how you can maintain that. I don't think you're ever going to be able to maintain that. It um, it's 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 it's. I think it's long been a part of employment is you having the ability to do more than one job. But certainly, this it, job's gone through that forever. Radio dude went through um, it went through deregulation through before most things, and so then you knew just bosses were like, well, yeah, and you have to do this and do that, and you have to do this, and you better do this too on top of it. 
So people are going to have to, as you go through life, you're just going to have to recognize the ability to adapt to what's happening around you. Like, okay, I want to be a teacher. What else do I have to do? It's not just what once was like, yes, you just go to college for four years and do this. It's like, no, you're going to have to. But like. You know, um, you know. I, I think there's teachers have had to be coaches forever. Like she said, you 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 you've had to fill these roles before. Maybe they're just being a little bit more defined now. Yes, but I again the star again. We're doing it at nine thirty. When I give you that, you're, you're it will be undeniable. And honestly, I think every the moment you hear it, I think everybody in who is serving food today is going to be like, oh my god. I can't, you know, I never would have thought of that. I can't believe they don't ask me to do that. And I'm terrified now that in the end, I'm going to have to learn that. Because when I read that, I was like, that is such a big piece of who we are as people. And it's it's just so common that I can't believe that a group, as big as it is for a group of people, and a group can be three people these days, to bitch and be like, well, what about us? And uh, you got to make it easier for us. Like, that's like the big thing now with Twitter is for everybody to bitch about how hard they got it, even though they don't at all. But that's like the big thing now. And when I read about, you know what? Screw it. We're not going to do it at 930. We're going to do it next. Starbucks is requiring their employees to do something at one of their restaurants. And I guarantee you by the end, this is going to catch on like wildfire and more of you are going to have to learn how to do this. And it's going to be a tough thing to teach old dogs. We'll do that next on Rock 106.9. Good morning. The Stansberry Show. Or the god of your choosing. Best morning ever! Hi. Yo guys, Fantone from the Stansberry Show here to tell you about the Rollholt Vision Institute. It still happens to me all the time, dude. I wake up in the morning, I reach for my glasses, and all of a sudden I remember, dude, you do not need those. I got 20-20 vision thanks to the LASIK surgery I had done at Rollholt. And I'm telling you, your summertime is going to be so much easier when you don't have to worry about glasses or contacts. So if you've been thinking about LASIK surgery, I know you have some questions, which is why the Rollholt Vision Institute has made everything perfectly clear for you at their website. That is RollHoltVision.com. Rock 106.9. Online at WRQK.com. Pass out those Coheed tickets. 9.30. So, uh, not all morning, but for a significant portion, I've been talking about how I feel like jobs in America are going to go underneath the microscope and we're going to have to rethink the way we do stuff. Rules and regulations and expectations and roles of your job, I think are going to flip over. And I think you're going to see more and more of this. Again, the average American expects their life to be super convenient and super cheap. There's no way we can continue with the same working, you know, uh, situations we have and continue that. It's just it's you're you're going to require more from 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 less essentially. Somewhere along the line, something has to give. You can't expect everything to cost a dollar and for everyone to get paid, you know, fifteen. Exactly right. Okay. So now Starbucks is like doing this a little bit. Now this is one of their locations, but that's how everything starts in D.C. and it's near a university that deals with deaf people. So it should be should be pointed that out. But it is going to be everybody that works in that Starbucks will be required to know sign language. You're going to be required to know it. That way, when people come in and they want, they feel comfortable to order. Now, I thought about that when I read that yesterday and thought to myself, how has that not been the standard? How has that not been the standard? This is a big portion of people. This is... yeah. 
No, no, no. You can't just sign this off because this is like this is when we did. Remember the trans issue? Remember the bathroom of the trans issue? 0.4%. I already looked it up. I have the number. It's 3.8% of the of the US population is deaf. 3.5%. When it was the trans issue was 0.4%, we gotta up we gotta upend everything we're doing to make sure this very small group of people feels comfortable everywhere they go. And yet deaf people, three and a half over three and a half percent. Nothing. Crickets. Not not a thing. Nobody cares. It is very interesting to me where this country, who we decide needs for us to pick up for them and fight for them and who we don't, who we do not. But how have these people been ordering in these places forever? You never even stop to think about it. Right now you're thinking, oh my God, that would be really difficult, right? That would be hard. What do we do in drive through windows? What do we do here? What do we do there? It's three over three and a half percent of the population, and we don't have a fix. I think pretty frequently when I've had to deal with people who have had hearing issues, frequently it seems like they have something to write with. You know what I mean? Like that's I've dealt with that before, but I, I can't necessarily argue that like having some sort of reasonable accommodation would be a terrible thing. And right now everybody's panicked. Because a lot of you work these kind of jobs, and you're thinking to yourself, I, A, I already don't make enough money, and I would agree. I don't know what the dollar amount should be, this and that. I think going from where it is now to 15 tomorrow is crazy, but that's just me. But you already don't make enough money, and everybody, nobody in the country does. Neither do I, neither does Fantone. Welcome to the world. It's just the way it is, right? But now we're going to ask this of you, which is taking on something, which I'm guessing is going to be very difficult. I don't know, but my guess is it's going to be difficult to learn that, right? Yeah, I don't think it's an easy thing to do, but um, I wonder if there will be one person specifically. You know what I mean? Like in this case, I know that it's like, well, it's the entire, it's the entire staff. Yeah, they, here. but that's again, they are down the street from like the world's, I, I think, biggest deaf university. I mean, do, like, do you have an issue with this? Like, no, I want this. So, like, this is my no. My point is, is like, it's very interesting who we think are actual victims in this country and who we want to fight for. And oh my God, you better equality, and we better drag this and this. And but yet we leapfrog over groups of people who do need legitimate help, and and, and then we, it's it's amazing to me who we push the narrative for. So as Starbucks is the one who has started this and has kind of said like, hey, we're going to do this. You hope that there's more movement towards this. I yes, well, I I don't really have a dog in the fight. Unfortunately, for well, my mom's a little deaf, but she's a hearing away, uh, hearing aid away from being fine. It's not like she was born deaf. It's just that's all just cosmetic problems with her. But I, I, so I don't really have anybody in the struggle to me. So it's not necessarily that I hope for more of it. It's that I am, I am saying we are going to get more of this. And I'm shocked, much like I was shocked to find out we didn't have safety buckets in high school classrooms with emergency products. I'm shocked that this hasn't been the, and now I, again, I wasn't shocked before I read it because I had never thought, like you, like everybody else, I had never thought about it. But when I read it, I was like, what have these people been doing forever? Yeah, like I said, I mean, I, I know throughout, you know, prior to working in radio, when I was waiting tables, I've definitely dealt with deaf people, and frequently they know that, like, there's going to be a little bit of a, a barrier here. That there's going to be a little bit of a, like, well, I can't expect the entire world to accommodate me here, so having something with them for them to be able to write with, because I, I would have to assume if three and a half percent of the world's population or America's population is deaf, it's probably less than that people who are fluent in sign language, right? Oh God, yeah. I mean, what I mean, what are the people that are going to need to know it? Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, a lot of family members are going to learn it, right? I bet it. Uh, maybe it's more. Maybe it's more. That number I don't have. My guess is it's more because if you have a family member who's deaf, you're going to learn it. 
I, I there's there's reasonable accommodations, and there is a point of like I'm not going to I'm not going to get upset because you know places have to have a wheelchair access ramp. No. You know what I'm saying? Like that's reasonable accommodations, and and, and I can understand that. Um, if Starbucks wants to put themselves out there and be the four be be the ones who are going to blaze this trail and be the ones who are going to do this, which is what they do. That's what as a company, that's what they do. That's what I was going to say. Is that Star- what they've always done. Starbucks very very ahead of the curve, and they kind of place themselves there so i wouldn't be surprised and especially if this if this if this lands correctly if this ends up being successful for them whether it's through a sales perspective or a pr perspective i wouldn't be surprised to see them start to do more and more and more of these things but most places now most places have had and atm machines are obviously the big joke here have had braille menus forever right well, I was going to ask, is that a requirement for a restaurant to have a Braille menu? As far as I know, every restaurant that I've worked in, like usually in the office, like it'd be one of those things. You don't just have it up at the Wait, hostess the stand. Right, right. Yeah. You don't just you don't just have it available there. But most places I've worked at have that information available. I, I wouldn't know. I've never been. I've never. Wait a minute. That's not true. I've had dinner with blind people before. How did they do that? I don't even remember. That's really strange. You would think that would be something that would something have that jumped in. out at you. Yeah, but I, I, I think, I, I think that's one of those things that, much like you know, like well, Braille's easier. A reasonable accommodation of like, yes, we can get this printed. Yes, we can get this out to you. That's not. That's not asking us to totally upend what we do. That's a reasonable accommodation. I mean, what would it? I, I mean, just imagine the cost to send every employee of a national chain. To to learn sign language, I mean the cost of that is going to be astronomical. And once again, it goes into like the 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 assets and liabilities here of like how much are you really going to get out of that? Opening up this one Starbucks right by the Deaf College makes that's sense. good PR because yeah, it's like, well, sense. dude, who cares if we have to send twenty of these people to to to, to, to sign language school? That's worth it for the PR. Now, if you're doing that on a nationwide every Starbucks employee, because you know how often are you going to use that? That might be a different question, but I don't know. It's kind of a benefit, right? I mean, I would kind of like to know how to do that. Well, sure. In the big picture, yeah, you're enriching your mind and like you're learning a new language. So so yes, I think that's definitely a benefit, but like, where does that benefit stop? Because is it, when does it turn into like, well, you know, how much of the population speaks Spanish? Well, how many of our employees should speak Spanish? Well, well, well how many, you know, again, the, the, the difference there, I will say is, is that it is on you to learn the language most commonly spoke in the country. Now, what people are going to say is, well, most commonly, I mean, look at what, it, yeah, but those are all people who moved here. Like, this is, this is another thing that's very, very weird here. I guarantee you, American, that if you move somewhere else today, that country will not, not one second slow down for you to catch up to it. Not one second. Yet when that happens here, we expect, we do, we expect everybody to be like, well, I mean, kind of do this and kind of do that. Dude, if you moved anywhere else, they're going to be like, dude, learn to speak Japanese, bro. Like, what are you doing? You live here. As a matter of fact, in Montreal, they have language police. Businesses aren't allowed to use, you're only allowed to use a certain amount of English in your advertising and your communication with people. They write you tickets if you don't speak French enough. That's how other countries handle this, by the way. As a matter of fact, everybody always goes, I'm moving to Canada, I'm moving to Canada, I'm moving to Canada. Great, you're not even allowed to speak English there, bro. Montreal has language police. They're out there on bikes writing tickets to businesses that speak English. 
See what I'm saying? It's like, dude, this is this is the only place where people are like, ah, no, just do that and do that. So, no, I, I, I disagree that Spanish is the same thing because we have a national language. Whether people want to admit that or not, we do. It's most commonly used. So learn that and then you could order. That's not a disability. That's not. That's you just not having learned the new thing yet. That's not a, it's not the same thing as being born deaf in this country. But again, like, why is that not the standard for you to know, have to know how to do that to be in service to other people? It's a little surprising to me was all. More Stansberry Show and Coheed and Cambria tickets up for grabs next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. I have got to get in on this. Rock 106.9. 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show. We're on Rock 106.9. I'll pass out those Coheed and Cambria tickets here momentarily. 1-800-243-7625, the number you'll need on those. Talking uh, Starbucks as there's a new one in D.C. where all employees are going to be required to uh, be able to use sign language because it's right down the street from like a deaf university. And I just kind of was like, this is really strange about the fact that that hasn't been a requirement in service before. Maybe not every employee, but one person per shift wouldn't be out of line. Uh, I'm surprised we haven't at least started there. And uh, do my my good buddy Craig Wakeham actually reached out. I was like, dude, we have a salesman on staff for this very reason. He says we sell about it's about a car a month. Somebody hearing impaired, and they love the fact that somebody's on staff who can communicate that way. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's... Super convenient. I would have never thought about it. It's it's one of those things that you, as a business, you know, you have your prerogative to kind of do what you want here, but I see how it helps you. You know what I mean? Like, there's sure. no, there's no, like, there's no loss there. This guy says to me, he's like, you know... This is benefiting Starbucks, not not the deaf people. It's This is all about their wallet. It's like, well, I mean, deaf people have been ordering coffee before. I mean, so, and, and, and again, and I always say this, and this is what I find interesting. When I say what I'm going to say next, all of my friends who either own or listeners, I should say, who either own or run businesses always go, yeah. And everybody who doesn't always goes capitalist. But at the end of the day, nobody goes into business to break even. You go into business to make money. That's how we're all here, by the way. It's the profits. It's the excess that pays for you. Somewhere along this last decade, profits became a dirty word in this country. I don't know how that happened. Profits is not a dirty word. It's how we all have jobs. That's where your paycheck comes from. It's out of that. Otherwise, your boss would have even more profit. But he shares some of that because he doesn't want to do what you do, so he hires you to do it instead, freeing up his day. Profits, not a dirty word. We got to stop with that. So I saw this, and this is very, very strange. But out of Japan, where a lot of strange things happen, a man has been arrested after a prank Fantone went sideways. Apparently, they work in this manufacturing plant, these two men. And a 34-year-old accidentally killed his 46-year-old co-worker. Jeez. He had taken an air compressor with the, like the, the nozzle at the end of the hose. They say put it between his buddy's butt cheeks. Oh, jeez. And then blasted a lethal wind deep into the victim's body. Now, I guess a few minutes later, Ishimaru began, what, no credit for getting that right, huh? No? <laughs> Ishimaru. How do we know if it's right or not? We don't know. Uh, began to complain that he did not feel all that great. So they called like 911, that whole thing. 
Ambulance comes out. He was taken to the hospital, but he did not survive. Now, the other guy says, look, now I'm facing charges of assault. Yeah. Assault resulting in death. Again, this is Japan. I don't know if we have that here or not. Says, I did it as a prank. I didn't think he could die from it. And yeah, you could die from that. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Forcing air into your body in a manner that should not be there. It's why a lot of drug addicts die because the the, the air and in, in, in the syringe. Yeah, your your butt isn't isn't you know the same thing as your nose, dude. You can't you can't, dude. That that that's that's all bad there. They say this is common over in Japan that people blowing air into each other's butts butts is common. They actually say this. This is I'm reading this from Asia Times, by the way. I'm not making this up. Okay. Japan, they say, a country remarkably free of guns and gun deaths. Even the Yakuza avoid them. The, the Yakuza, for those of you that don't know, is the criminal, like, it's like organized J- crime. Japanese mafia, yeah. Organized crime. But in recent years, Japan's been plagued with an unlikely lethal weapon, the air compressor. I guess several incidents just this year of air being forcibly blasted up backsides, killing people. I'd rather you shoot me. Probably right. I'd rather you shoot me. Probably getting shot in the butt, yeah. Shoot me twice. What is it with dudes? What is it? Like, there's something... If you, if, if you leave... And it, it's like a... Any more than two dudes together and somebody's trying to bang something... Somebody's trying to put this somewhere and it's always like sex or anally related. And it's always like, and it's always like you trying to prove how straight you are by being as gay as you can what be. Are you, what are you gay, dude? What are you? What are you gay? I'm, uh, yeah. But dude, it happens all the time. You look at like hazing stories where it's like, you've got these bros on the team and they're like, no dude, we're like the straightest bros around. That's why we're going to take this, you know, broom handle and shove it up this kid's butt. What is he gay? And it's like, what what is going on yeah, right now? Calling but, him gay as you're doing it. But but it's a very common story. I mean, like there is that level of like, you you you, you go there, dude. I mean, it happens all the time and all across all cultures. Yeah, it's it's very strange. My entire life, I've I've never understood how to fit in in that group of like, we're okay. Oh my god, out of nowhere, we're just going to be ultra male now, right? Okay, great. Just the most masculine dudes around. And I'm just not that dude. Like, I'm not that guy. Like, I'm not a crush a beer can over top of my head. Ooh, look, man, I'm masculine. I'm just not one of those. And so I've always just been sitting there in the background like, I don't know, dude. Maybe I am gay. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what everybody's problem is, man. Why we got to do all this stuff? I don't, yeah. I don't, like, you know another thing uh, along this line is? Is ball tapping. Oh, the ball check there. Yeah, the ball tap bag. Or the bag tap there. Not a fan. No. Don't get it. Don't understand it. Don't think it's funny. I to me, it's all. Ju- it, I mean, it's and it's obviously juvenile, and I guess guys have a hard time growing out of that. But it's like, dude, we're fully grown adults now. Is this really what we're still doing? Is running up to each other and and and, and slapping each other on the nuts? It's like, it, yes, it never goes away. Like I always talk about this with my brother. He's fifty for Christ's sakes. And if I go home for Thanksgiving, he's going to throw mashed potatoes at me at the table, <laughs> and he's going to punch me in the face at least once during that trip. I don't know what it is, but like you get men together, and all of a sudden, they've just become eight-year-olds. Like My mom said to me the other day, she goes, I'm happy I didn't bring your brother with me. She goes, you both are like over 40, She's like, but if I leave you alone for 10 minutes, I'm going to have to rinse both of you off. You're just going to be rolling around in dirt doing something stupid. 
She's absolutely right. I cannot believe. Don't whatever you do, Phantom. No matter how annoyed you get with me, yeah. Don't blow air into my butt. <laughs> I will not. I promise. There will oh, never be, no, be no, air no. blown into butts. I promise. Dude. Okay. All right. Seeking. Okay. I did. I can't <laughs> believe right. this gives me a, an avenue to talk about something else. Okay. But have you been watching that show on FX, Snowfall? No. Bro. No. Good. So I thought this. I've seen commercials. They've been running the commercials right. right. I thought that they were premiering season one. They weren't. It's that's season two is like right now. But I went back and I like binge watch season one. Right. Oh, and dude, I bring this up because it's cocaine related. Okay. And there's a scene. Say. There's a scene in the movie where a woman's taking a straw and blowing cocaine into this man. Which, dude, I got to tell you, there was a little bit of me that was watching that going, "Why would you do that?" But there was also a little bit of me that was like, God damn it, dude, why'd I have to give up hardcore drugs? <laughs> why'd I have to get old, man? Why'd I have to get old? I got old and never never went through that process. Oh, yeah, just poor Stansberry. Just no life experiences. Never had a chance to sow his wild oats because apparently some hooker didn't blow cocaine. In. Like, come on, dude. I Just come look. On. I mean, dude, I don't, it doesn't even have to be cocaine now. We can, we can get something else. What, Metamucil? What are we talking about, dude? What are we talking about? Using the, using the, the body spray? Come on. I got a little, dude, there's a little protein in the come, studio. Come we gonna have that. We gonna have that. Metamucil was very good, dude. That was, dude. You need to get on that. By the way, Metamucil is actually really beneficial. Slowing the whole system down there. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. We'll end the show. Thank the dear Lord, and we'll pass out those Coheed and Cambria tickets next on Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show. We're on Rock 106.9. Coheed and Cambria tickets up for grabs here momentarily. Man, I was worried about today. I uh, today was one of those days where I was like, I don't know. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> you know what I mean? It ended up being it ended up being just fine. We pulled it together. But dude, I'm ready for my mom to leave already. Is that what it is? Yeah, I think so. Because since I got here this morning, there has been a little black uh, rain cloud over Stansberry's. Well, you know. I did not love the rundown today. Okay, I didn't. I felt like today was all push uphill material. Okay, like it all ended up being all right, but it, it, there was nothing. I was like, oh, I can't wait to talk about that today. There was not one of those today. And that always makes for a harder day for me. Um, and now, if you missed the show when we opened it up, I told this story, and so you can get it in the podcast. But I'll give you a little summary of it. My mom started describing her flight to me over lunch the other day, and it starts with like a guy she swears was a guy. <laughs> the guy was like in a full burka, which of course would be a woman, not a guy. But she's like, no, the material was different. It was thick like carpet, <laughs> and like she was on the hunt for that. That's the funniest part to me: the thickness of 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 the. She was cloth. like, Dan, no, it wasn't like a typical burka. It, this was like thick, and she was like, and he was covered head to toe in it, and like so. Then like he gets on the plane, and she's like looking around like Nancy Drew. She was like, I was looking for the cohort. And I was like, Mom, it took you 20 minutes to walk into Red Lobster today. What were you going to do if you spotted the cohorts? What were you going to do? Throw your AARP card at them? Like, I don't, like, what did you, what did you think you, like, you're not going to wrestle a terrorist no. down to the ground. No, you are not. So then that ends, nothing bad happens there. That ends up fine. You know what I mean? Plane takes off and she's got like this window seat and she's like talking about the couple next to him. She's like, Daniel. The woman was huge. <laughs> now, I should tell you, the first thing she said to me is, Daniel, whatever you do, don't tell this story on the radio. And so what did I do? I came in here Monday morning, opened up the show, told the whole story. First thing and last thing. First, here first, we go. First, last thing. So then she's like talking about the size of this woman who was sitting next to her in the seat. Who Apparently, was she was like massive, but like not like fat, like tall. Okay. Like she was like a big, tall person, right? 
It's like, okay, well, mom, what's the problem with that? She's like, well, you know, you're just aware of it. And you're just, <laughs> I understand, Sue, but I understand you're aware of it. But like, what's the, what's the problem with it? And every time my mom opens her mouth now at lunch, I'm just like terrified. Because, you know, I said this this morning. My mom's not woke. She doesn't have Twitter. She has no idea what you're not allowed to say in 2018, right? So I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm waiting for all these statements. For some antiquated term of like, oh, my gosh, dude, you cannot say that anymore. Like, I'm waiting for my mom's version of colored to okay. come out of her mouth. Okay. And like, oh, my God, dear God, like, Jesus. What, what would grandpa call him? Like, all right, we got to move uh, out of here. Exactly right. On. I guess, dude, that my mom's 72, so you're going to have some of that, right. right? So I'm like terrified every time she opens her mouth. But then she starts to tell me the story. She's like, and then Daniel. The woman sitting next to me. Don't don't do it again. She was like, I look over and she's doing this. <laughs> and I look over at my mom. And at lunch, Saturday afternoon, sun still out. <laughs> my mom there now at the table trying to describe what's happening, like telling you some about somebody being on the phone is like using their my mom is you is she's giving me like <laughs> the handy Stop. motion. Stop, dude. Don't Give, do it. She's giving me the handy motion. My mother, right, is trying to tell me that the lady sitting next to her in the row was like <laughs> using her hand on the male passenger. My mom was like, I didn't know what to do, Dan. And I was like, you should have just turned on the air thing on them and just like cooled them down. Maybe hit the drink button, Suze. Who knows? She's like, Daniel, I didn't know what to do. So I just turned. I showed him my back and I stared out the <laughs> I stared out the window for the entire flight. And I was like, well, they, I think they got what they wanted. But let me just tell you, America, there is no worse feeling in the world than to have to reach across the table, take your hand, <laughs> cup your mother's hand to stop the hand emotion from happening right in front of you. Let me tell you, I would rather think about Lou Graham banging my mom all day. <laughs> like, that was bad enough. Like, that was, I was like, that made me sick enough. But now, there she was. When I realized, so you have her old, decrepit, you know, crip keeper hand in your home <laughs> right now. And she's like, let go of my hand. And I was like, no, you're going to keep doing it. I didn't know what to do. I was barely able to make it through the rest of my lunch. I'm shocked you didn't walk out of that, dude. I'm shocked once the handy motion came a part of the uh, part of the table. Cheddar Bay biscuits and handy motions, dude. I'm done. Called my brother. Was like, dude, never send her here ever again. <laughs> what the hell is the matter with you? She's like an infant. You can't just send her places on her own. Somebody needs to be. Where's the adult handling this person? Oh my god, dude! It was a terrible, terrible day at lunch. You seeing her today? You going to uh, going to have lunch or anything? Uh, with I her? know we are scheduled to see each other tomorrow. She leaves on Thursday. I don't know if I'll see her today or not. I may need a I may need a, a day break. Zone. I may need a little <laughs> may, may need a little buffer zone after telling that. Daniel, don't tell the story. <laughs> okay, mom. All right, I won't. You have now fallen for this lie for the last twenty years straight. She has fallen for that lie. I won't tell it, mom. All right, Coheed and Cambria tickets. Let's take caller 15 right now. 1-800-243-7625 on those. Aside from that, show's done for the day. Be back at it live tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. or Rock 106.9. If you missed anything today, podcast it shortly after 10 a.m. at WRQK.com. You guys have a great, uh, no, not weekend. No weekend, I have, wish. <laughs> have, a, have a great day. See ya. The Stansberry Show. We may not be a global epidemic yet. On iHeartRadio. This is a dream.